Well, greetings. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Chronicles of War. I'm Darren Michael Shaw, the story's author. Chronicles of War is a work of historical fiction based on the experiences of one of my ancestors, a man by the name of Job Trites during the American Civil War. Job was a farmer living in Iowa when he enlisted in Iowa's 26th Volunteer Infantry and was mustered in during the fall of 1862. Today's episode covers the 26th brush with the enemy at Chickasaw Bayou. For those of you who are interested, I put a link on my website that has some photographs of the battle site today. My web address, www.darrenmichaelshaw.com. If you go there, you'll see links to those pictures. I hope you'll enjoy them, and I hope you'll enjoy more of this story. And now, Chronicles of War. Corsi's men returned from their expedition. William overheard their findings. Grant hadn't made the progress that they were hoping he would, and nature's fortifications would be a staunch ally to the rebels in this campaign. The terrain between the landing and the enemy appeared in de Corsi's mind foreboding. After the swamp and the thicket, there's a stream that is chest deep. That will be an issue, William told Job. Crossing will be difficult and communicating will be nearly impossible by that stream. Job must have looked as if he needed an explanation. The moving water is loud, William went on to tell Job, and the abatis beyond those streams will make fording them very dangerous. It will be a costly day on the battlefield. As orders were given, the men of the 26 were to remain at the landing. This advance, its obstacles and dangers, would be the hardship of others. Job wasn't sure if he was relieved by that realization or burdened by it. The 26 would again serve as a decoy. March. March some more. March here. March there. He watched as the other men prepared themselves. Some were all about their gear. A few wrote notes, presumably to loved ones. Colonel Williamson, Job observed, gathered himself some quiet away from his men. At first light on December 28th, Colonel Frederick Steele's division attempted to turn back the Confederate right flank. The rebels unleashed a fierce artillery response, and by midday it was Steele's men who were turned back. The one place where Sherman and his commanders had thought the rebels vulnerable turned out to be very well defensed. As they returned to the drawing board for a second night, to a man, they realized a tremendous cost would be exacted. Sherman himself was said to have remarked, We will lose 5,000 men before we take Vicksburg, and we may as well lose them here as anywhere else. Job and Williams sat up late that second night. Where will Williamson and his men go? Job wondered. Right flank, William responded. Thayer's to the right, Blair to the left, and de Courcy in the center. Colonel Williamson and the 4th are part of Thayer's division. They're headed right into the teeth of it, Job. Job wondered what that felt like, to have commanders speaking of the human cost to be exacted and knowing that you were that human cost. Job wrote letters home expecting to be alive at the end of the day. What would it feel like to write a letter home expecting that it might be your last? 
At daybreak on the 29th, Sherman ordered an all-out cannonade, hoping to weaken rebel defenses for a Union advance. That continued for hours. As it did, the men of Iowa's 4th Infantry pressed into position. By 11 o'clock, the big guns went silent, and at 12 noon, the Union advance began with a loud cheer. The next several hours were replete with the sounds of battle. As Job and the men of the 26th traversed the river's edge, covering the ground one mile east to one mile west of the landing site, there were the echoes of small arms fire and occasional artillery volley, and at times even the shouts of men were audible to their position in the rear. As the afternoon wore on, many Union wounded were seen returning to the landing site to board transports for transfer to military hospitals. Job was astounded at the sights and the sounds as these men passed them. The damage done by the rebel balls was extensive. Although he had been a hunter all his life, Job had never seen wounds like this, flesh torn from limbs and bones shattered and exposed. Never had he seen so much blood. Never had he seen or heard such fear and terror expressed in human voice as he did here, men pleading for their lives and limbs to be saved. Eventually the 26 were ordered to return to the landing and assist the wounded aboard the transports. As he surveyed the scene, the wounded seemed to outnumber the whole. And now those words, not sure where Grant is, came back to Job's mind. The planned two-front campaign, Grant over land from the south and Sherman by river from the north, it was supposed to split the rebel defenses to overwhelm them. The rebels evidently weren't overwhelmed. Sheer numbers should have overwhelmed them. Sherman and Porter had moved more than 75 vessels up the Yazoo River. Apparently, the rebel forces weren't impressed. Something had gone horribly wrong. Telegraph lines were destroyed, William reported. Grant was turned back days ago. Sherman couldn't have seen this coming. We're going to pull back and regroup. Got to the Indian Mound and no further. One soldier Job didn't know had stepped into their conversation. We never saw Walnut Hill. We never saw anything. Smoke filled the air. It was like they were ghosts firing at us. We couldn't see, I tell you. As the man turned to walk away, Job noticed a makeshift tourniquet on his thigh. A wound just above his knee caused him to favor the leg as he walked with the assistance of a stick. What's next? Job wondered aloud. Lines of men spilled back onto the landing site from all directions. They were quiet, in disbelief perhaps. All of the bravado and excitement Job had seen earlier was gone. We'll regroup, William answered. Sherman will have to come out of his tent and talk to his field officers. They may await orders from Grant or Secretary Halleck in Washington. Job hadn't heard anything disparaging come out of William's mouth before, so he was perplexed at the veiled come-out-of-his-tent remark had William lost respect for General Sherman through this campaign. As nightfall approached, Job had noticed that neither Colonel James Williamson nor any of the men from Iowa's 4th Infantry had returned. He decided to walk the bivouac and see if he could learn anything about their whereabouts. He walked up on a group of men talking. They made their way to the rife pits, that's all I know, one man attested. Couldn't have added another. They would have had to cross the streams right in front of those rebels. Impossible. Another argued, 
This is Williamson we're talking about. He probably led his men all the way to Vicksburg and is wondering where the rest of us are. All the men laughed. The men began to share their experiences. Job continued to eavesdrop. It was unbelievable. I know we had them outnumbered two to one, but they had every advantage. Two to one, another scoffed. We had them outnumbered ten to one, and they still had an advantage. One young lieutenant spoke up. Half my brigade is headed out on that hospital transport tonight. Another man, only a private in rank but years older than the lieutenant, replied, That's not your doing, lieutenant. They gave you orders, and you followed them. Several brigades were ordered to board transports. The men of the 26th, however, were ordered to bivouac there at Johnson's Landing until morning. Job was glad. He sat up waiting to see the 4th Infantry return. this concludes episode 16 of Chronicles of War. Thank you for stopping in to listen. It's a privilege for me to be able to share this story with you. Thank you also for helping me get the word out about this podcast. Please continue to tell people that they can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or at my website www.darrenmichaelshaw.com. Let me also invite you to visit my website. You can learn more about me, see others of my writing projects, or drop me a note. I would love to make your acquaintance. As I record this episode, Memorial Day weekend is nearly upon us. I hope that you and yours have a wonderful Memorial Day. And until next time, I'm Darren Michael Shaw. So long. <laughs>